A couple of quick, quick things before we, um, we get started. First, uh, we are going to be right the week after Easter, the Sunday after Easter. We're going to be moving our times from 10 to 9.45, from 11.15 to 11. So it'll be 9.45 and 11. And the reason we're doing that is when we started, we were at 9.30 and 10.45. And the 9.30 was really small. 10.45 was huge. Um, and now we're kind of flipping that around where our second service is getting a little, it's a little out, out of balance. Um, and so what we'd like to do, and another reason we're doing this is because at the 11 o'clock service, it's difficult for people who have small children with their schedules of napping and getting their kids fed and napped. If we go, if we start at 1115 and I, I preach, which I usually don't, but I go a little over when it's usually the music people who are, you know, they're, they're pushing. So I don't have enough. I'm just kidding. Um, but if we go to like 1230 or 1225, 1230, you're, you're talking a little bit out here. We don't get out of here till you know, quarter to one or something. And it's difficult for people to really uh, plan their schedules uh, when it's 1115. So we move back to 11 and we do an hour. We're out by 12, 1205. And that service, I think, will really this service, the, the 11 o'clock or 1115 now, but 11 will really, I think, jump up a bit. Um, and also 945 and 10 o'clock are not that that different. And it will also help us with the Catholic Church, uh, St. Uh, Sedanus, across the street with the with the kind of in and out when their services end and ours end. We're trying to get around that uh, to make the traffic flow a little better. So 945 and 11, especially for the summertime, it'll really help because people like to come in and get out a little bit earlier in the summer to get out there and enjoy the, the day and everything. So. Um, you're going to hear this so much, you're going to get sick of it in letters and, uh, you know, emails, Facebook, whatever. On Sunday mornings, you're going to be like, enough about 9.45 and 11. And when you say that, I'll know you all understand. Uh, because when we've been doing something for years at the same time, it's really hard to change. So the week after Easter, we're not going to mess with it until after Easter, because Easter is just nutsy. You know, it gets crazy here with all the people coming in. Um, but uh, 9.45 and 11, the week after Easter. One last thing. In your insert, in your bulletin, there's a little flyer there about Mexico. We're going to Mexico in a couple of weeks um, and we need, if you would, to look at that and decide what you are able to bring uh, next Sunday. You can check off the list there, get some items and bring them next Sunday because we need to pack for next Sunday because I will not be here the Sunday after uh, next. And uh, so make sure that you uh, if you would like to participate, we want to fill up those suitcases, take them down to our missionaries in Mexico. And they've made a list of what they need, particular things they need. So if you'd like to participate in that, be a part of that, just bring that stuff next Sunday for us. All right. Great. Now, today we're continuing our series, 40 Days in the Word. And I, I, it's been great so far. I really, really enjoyed this series. I really have. Um, it's been exciting to get the feedback from everyone, how it's affecting people's lives. And this morning I want to discuss something that has been coming up during this series. A lot of people have been coming to me and asking the question, you know, I, I go to my small group and, and I, I come here on Sundays and you know, you're talking about reading the word of God. And I've been excited about how many people for the first time have, have you know, bought a Bible. I've heard multiple times, say, hey, uh, what's the best Bible to buy? I'm going to try to get a new Bible. And it's been great. So people have been reading. And if you're reading, that's what we want to see happen. But people have been reading and they've been hearing me talk about, you know, God speaking through his word and the whole, you know, word of God speak. We sing that song and 
Um, but there are a lot of people who are saying to me, you know, I go to my small group, my life group, I go to my women's Bible study, my men's Bible study or whatever. And uh, and people will say, well, God spoke to me and God, I felt like God was saying to me. And they're saying, I don't I don't really get it. I don't totally understand that because God's not speaking to me the same way. And maybe I don't understand how I'm supposed to hear. And, you know, because one of the basic one of the basic tenets, one of the basic claims of Christianity is that God speaks to his people all throughout Scripture. You'll, you'll hear the, the phrase, and God said, and God said, and God said. And, you know, so God speaks to his people. It's one of the foundations of our faith. God wants to have a personal relationship with us. In order to have a personal relationship with us, he needs to communicate. There needs to be communication. One of the problems with communication, whether it's with each other or whether it's with God, we sometimes miscommunicate. We don't, we don't totally understand what God is trying to say to us. So we're, we're kind of having those communication challenges. Now, some people will say that, you know, I hear God all the time. God speaks clearly to me all the time. Sit down, have a conversation. It's just like two people having a conversation. I hear him totally clear. It's like God channels through those people. Now, this is just, I'm not throwing a net over the entire world. I'm just giving my, my opinion. I, I basically, to be honest, um, I'm a little bit skeptical of people who tell me that they hear clearly from God all the time. They never misunderstand anything. It's just clearly from God. And the reason I'm a little skeptical and the reason it kind of it bugs me a, a bit is I've as a pastor over the last 27, 28 years, I have seen and heard a lot of foolish and hurtful things that were done by folks who said that they heard from God and then they took what they heard from God and literally inflicted it upon other people. Some of the most horrendous discussions I've ever heard between two Christians is when someone says, I heard God say this and I'm going to tell you this. I mean, people have lost their children and people have come up and said things they heard from God that were outrageous, outrageous. So I'm a little skeptical sometimes of people who who say, you know, God, and it is another one where people will say to me and don't listen. I, I if if you've been coming for a long time and you say, you know, God just put this on my heart and I just wanted to share it with you. And then you kind of do what you want. I, I, maybe not be from God. I just want to share what what I kind of what I feel like the Lord is saying to me. Um, and you share that with me. But I'm really skeptical when someone says God told me to tell you. Pastor, God told me. Last night to tell you, and there's two reasons, a couple, a lot of reasons. One of them is, number one, I I am filled with the Holy Spirit and I have a sensitive conscience to the Holy Spirit. And I'm listening for the Holy Spirit. So if God wants to tell me something, he's usually going to tell me. And if I don't listen clearly enough, he usually bangs me over the head and makes sure that I'm listening. But he gets his point across. The other reason I get nervous about that is because... In a church setting where you have a pastor, you have pastors and elders who are, I'm not, the, I'm not the only elder here. I don't run this church by my mighty hand or something like that. My word is law. We have elders in our church. That's the way our, our, our structure is. Elders make the decisions in our church, not just the pastors, not just me. And what happens when someone says, God told me to tell you, they put themselves in a position of authority that's, you know, who do you listen to? The person who, the pastor who just read from the word of God and is praying, is trying to hear from the, you know, hear from the Lord or the person who directly heard something from God. They put themselves in a position of authority over everyone. That makes me a little bit nervous because humans being who they are, maybe the motives aren't always the, the best. 
So I'm not picking, I, obviously God speaks to us, obviously God things puts, put, puts things in our hearts, obviously we want to communicate with each other what God is sharing with us. I'm not, you know, throwing the baby out with the bathwater and all this stuff. I'm just saying it makes me a little nervous sometimes when I hear those kinds of things. And just to let you know, people come to me and it makes a whole lot of other people nervous when they hear that kind of thing because they don't always understand it. So when God speaks to your heart, make sure you communicate in a, in a humble way to others and in such a way that you don't look like you're, you're being in authority over them. You're just sharing what God put on your heart. And be really, really careful because, you know, unless he spoke to you verbally, um, it's, it's difficult to say with absolute certainty that God spoke to you and told you to tell someone else something. So I just, we just need to be sensitive to that, sensitive to other people, because a lot of pain can come out of misunderstanding what God is trying to say to us. Some people think that because I'm a pastor, that God speaks to me and I clearly understand everything he's saying all the time, which is not the case. Just like you, I am sometimes confused or I don't understand what the Lord is trying to say to me. I have to spend more time in his word, more time listening, more time being sensitive to the spirit, you know, so I can hear those things. I don't always totally understand it all. On the other hand, there are times in my life when God speaks, when I have no doubt at all what he's trying to say. One of those times when we started self-sustaining enterprises. With self-sustaining enterprises, you know, as we started in 2002, and I felt like the Lord was calling us as a church, and I felt he clearly spoke to my heart and said, here's the direction I would like you to go. We, I prayed, and, and the leadership prayed, and we said, Lord, you know, how do you want us to reach out to our, our lost and hurting world here and all around the world? And, you know, the Lord put on our hearts to start self-sustaining enterprises. And the goal was, because we had back-to-back, because back-to-back ministries is a part of our body, we wanted to be able to help fund what back-to-back was doing all around the world. And so our thought was, okay, we'll, we'll come up with a way to fund um, businesses, business trees, as we call them, in, in developing nations. We would fund those businesses. Then those businesses would fund initiatives that can't fund themselves like education and healthcare. So we start this. We start a bridal shop. We start, a, you know, all the different things that we have. They then take the money from that and help fund things like education and healthcare. That's the vision. The, the goal here in the United States years ago, in 2002, was that we would go to the USAID, we would go to large uh, donors, we would go to foundations, we would try to get large sums of money from those, we would use that money to then invest in those places to start those business trees there. Well, you know, that was the plan that basically I kind of came up with. I felt like God led us in that direction, so off we go. And uh, Deb and I were working on it, and she was in Florida talking to one of our one of the scientists that were working with us. And he told us he was very he, was, he knew Washington, and he said, you know, in order for us to get the kind of money we're talking about, we're going to have to get a lobbyist. We're going to have to hire a lobbyist for sixty thousand dollars a year. We're going to have to do this, and we're going to have to go to these foundations and do that. We're gonna have to, and I, I'm telling you, I got ticked. I was like, you know, we got this all worked out, but now throw a monkey wrench in the whole works. And I hung up the phone and I said, Lord, you know, how am I supposed to fulfill the vision that you've given to me if I don't have the, if you're not going to provide me with the resources to do it? And I was, to God. And, and I heard clearly from the Lord, you know, and this is, you know, when you know when you hear things from the Lord when it says something like this, stop whining, was what I heard from God. Stop whining. 
He said, I have given you the gifts and abilities, the entrepreneurial gifts and the vision to to do these kinds of things. Better than that, I've surrounded you with a church filled with some of the best business minds in the country. Stop whining. Take the take advantage of, of, of the gifts and abilities I've given you and the people around you and go and get it yourself. Don't wait for people to give you something. I've given you these abilities, these gifts. This is, this, is, this is what I want you to do. And God spoke to my heart and told me, stop whining. Do, use the gifts I've given you. Use the gifts of the people around you. And that's where self-sustaining enterprise went from, gee, sir, can I have some more, to, hey, let's start businesses here in the United States. We'll use those business trees here to fund initiatives in third world countries. And that's what we've done. And we've come a long way. And so I heard that from the Lord. Okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to use the people around you to build these, these, these uh, business trees that will then fund these other things. And, I, and here's the problem, though. I did something else that I shouldn't have done. Once, this is my personality. You don't have to. If you drop me off in the woods, you don't, if, if you drop me off with just you know, a little towel around me, I'd figure it out, okay? I'd make some clothes out of whatever. I'd get a stick. I'd go fishing. I, I, I would survive. But the th- here's the thing with that personality. You do the same thing to God. He gives you marching orders, but I didn't listen to the rest of the instructions. I do that. I'm the kind of person, if I get something, I'm like, I hate instructions. Now, I've grown up a lot here when it comes to this. I listen to the, well, actually, I get my son-in-law's bill now. But before, um, I, I was, you know, I just try to figure it out. But when it comes to the Lord telling you to do something, he's not finished when he gives you your marching orders. There's a lot more along the way. And I wasn't listening for further instructions. So I got way ahead of myself early on with self-sustaining enterprises, way far ahead of myself and had to realize. And I was saying, oh, man, how how did I get so far out here in this situation? And God slowly helped me kind of bring it back a little bit. You know, back then, even even eight, nine years ago, it was ready, you know, ready, fire, aim kind of deal. You learn, though, and you grow. And I learned and I grew. My problem was that God spoke to me clearly, but then I stopped listening for further instructions. That's what happens sometimes. God, sometimes we're confused. Sometimes we don't understand. Sometimes God speaks clearly to us. Other times he speaks clearly. And then we stop listening, get ourselves into a little bit of trouble, and then wonder why we're in trouble. We're in trouble because we weren't listening clearly enough after for the further instructions. It isn't a one-time thing. It's a continuing conversation. It's continuing dialogue, listening to God. Nothing should be more important in our lives than trying to understand what God wants to say to us. Jesus said in Luke 8, 8, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Let him hear. We need to be tuned into God if we want to truly understand what he's saying to us. And if we're truly tuned into God, we will avoid making some of the big mistakes that we make in our lives. He will direct us. There's an obvious, there's an obvious, uh, you know, good thing. There's an, an obvious way that God can speak to us. It's so it's so important that if we're that we're tuned in because then he can direct us. Then he can show us the way he wants us to go. He can help us avoid some of the tragic mistakes we make in our lives if we're just listening. Now, some of you are thinking, OK, that make I hear that. That's good. But but how do you hear from God? That's what you're honestly you're sitting there going. I don't understand when you say I heard from God. Now, I didn't hear. I've never heard. 
I've been close in a sense of my mind just being clear as crystal what God is downloading into my mind. But, you know, some people say they hear an audible voice, right? When you, so when people say, I hear from God, most of the time they're not, it's not Moses, okay? They're not hearing a voice from heaven. It's, it's God speaking to their hearts, speaking to their minds. But you say, I don't, I don't get it. Help me understand that. Well, let me share, there are a lot of ways, but let me share two ways, two specific ways that God speaks to us. The first one and the most reliable, okay? The first and most reliable is right here. It's through his word. God speaks to us through his word. That is the most reliable, which means you and I need to read it. If that's the way God speaks to us, we need to read the word of God. If we read the word of God, then we'll understand. It'll help you if you read the word of God and you say, God, help me, help me uh, to better be a better dad to my family. One of the first things I did, and I told you this a couple months ago, when I became a Christian, is I looked up every verse on being a dad and being a husband. Honestly, I, I may not be in tune with the Holy Spirit as much when I was a younger Christian. I didn't understand it as well. I wasn't as in tune, but I had the Word of God. It told me exactly what to do to be a good father and a good husband. We need to know the Word of God. You want to know how to do business even more effectively? Read the Word of God. In your family, read the Word of God. A better friend, read the Word of God. Better in, on, uh, in sports, read the Word of God. Activities, problems, everything we need to get from the Word of God. Remember what it says in Second Timothy three sixteen and 17? It says, all scripture is God-breathed and used for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness that the man of God or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped. Listen, everything you need to know to be successful in anything you're talking about in life, you can find in the Word of God. Everything. Thoroughly equipped. You've got it. It's there. You want either the precept or the principle. The precept, thou shalt not, thou shalt do this, boom, boom, or principle. It doesn't say in the Bible not to, not to take certain kinds of drugs because they, they weren't even invented, okay? But there's principles in there. The Bible will tell you not to take certain kinds of drugs even now but because there's principles that override all of these things. There are certain principles that will, it will explain to you why you shouldn't do certain things. That's why it's a supernatural book. That's why in 2012 we can still trust it to help run our lives and they did, as they did a couple thousand years ago. So, so God will speak to us through his word. That's the most effective way to do it. We also hear it through the Holy Spirit of God. God speaks through his spirit. Now you may be asking, well, how do I know when it's the spirit speaking to me? How do I know that? Well, a simple way is to compare what you're hearing in your heart and your mind with the Bible. You compare it with the Bible. If what you're hearing in your heart and your mind is in alignment with the word of God, then you can be confident that what you're hearing is from the Lord. And you say, well, how do I know it's the it's the spirit of God speaking to me? and I'm not just speaking to myself. Well, to be honest with you, if you're driving along, for instance, and you and you see a pregnant woman, eight months pregnant on the side of the road, standing in the snow and her car is broken down and she's holding on to a three year old and a four year old or five year old in her hands. And all of a sudden something comes over you and says, you, you, you hear in your heart and mind, you should pull over and help that person. Happens all the time. Do you really need to debate with yourself whether that came from your own thoughts or it came from the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit's the one who prompts you to think those things so much of the time. So you say, well, I'm, you don't need to debate where you got it from. The reason you're thinking I should pull over is because the word of God lays out in, you know, clearly to us how we're supposed to treat people. 
The, the Bible, as you read it, will keep coming back to your mind and keep coming back to your mind. It, you know, it keeps speaking to your mind. So whether it's coming from the word of God and you're thinking it yourself or the Holy Spirit's prompting you to think it or the Holy Spirit just, I was driving down the road, I was in a hurry somewhere and that exact thing happened. And I was saying to myself, I don't have time. Someone else will stop. Someone else will stop. And the Holy Spirit said, pull over. You'll miss your youth meeting, okay? You're late. So what? I was going to the Fox's house. I don't know how long. It was years ago. They're still a part of Grace, they're a part of Grace Chapel. But I, he, the Holy Spirit said, pull over. And I was like, no, I pulled over. Because I'm figuring it's 5 o'clock. There's millions of cars going by someone, but no one was pulling over. So it doesn't matter if it comes from your own head it tells you to pull over or the Holy Spirit to pull over. It's the Spirit that prompts you and the Word of God that prompts you. And if what you're hearing is in alignment with the Word of God, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. The evil one's not going to tell you to pull over and help pregnant people with two kids. Okay? It's not going to happen. The enemy's not going to do it. So you can be sure that's coming from God in some way, shape, or form. If you're hearing it, if you feel like you're hearing that, then you're prompted to do it. Just do it. God will never tell you to do something different than his word has already communicated to you. He's not going to contradict himself. So that's how you can test the spirits. If you're hearing something, you test the spirits. How do you test the spirits? By the word of God. Is it in alignment with the word of God? Now, in all of this, the, the most important thing is we need to be eager to hear from God. We need to be receptive. We need to be re- ready and willing to receive it. We need to be, Lord, speak to me. I want to be quiet and still. Speak to my heart. Speak to my heart, Lord. So the question then is, what keeps me from hearing from God? What are some things that keep me from hearing from God? Because you're, you're listening. You say, okay, that makes sense. But I still, don't, I still don't hear from God the way I'd like to hear. Well, let me give you a couple reasons, a couple of thoughts or why you don't hear what sometimes you would like to hear. The first one, and, and I'm not, I promise I'm not picking on you. I'm just thinking of all the things in my own spiritual life that I've worked through. So I raise my hand first. OK, so no, no one take offense. All right. The first one is pride. OK, pride. That's one of the biggest reasons we don't we don't hear from God, because our pride closes off our mind to God. We think I don't need God. I can handle I can do this business deal on my own. I don't need to pray about it. I can handle my family. I know how to I know how to handle my wife. I know how to handle my children. I don't need God in this one. I don't need God in, uh, to I don't need to talk to God about this date I'm about to have. I don't need to talk to God about this test I'm about to take. I don't need to pray about it. I got it covered. Every time you don't pray about something in your life, what you're saying is this isn't, you know, I've got this covered. I don't need God. And you can you can you can couch it any way you want to. I mean, part of the reason that I we, we can, I can candy coat it and tell you all the spiritual and give you all kinds of other words for why I maybe ran out in front of God a couple, way back in 2002. But one of the reasons is, hey, maybe it was pride. Maybe I figured I can do it. Maybe I figured, you know, God give me my marching orders and darn it, he doesn't have to hold my hand. I'm just going to go off and do this because he told me what to do and I know what to do and I'm going to surround myself with blah, 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 blah. You know, couch it any way you want to. A lot, some of that, some of that is pride. Okay? Isaiah 66, 3 and 4. I'm going to pull a couple of verses out of here and read them to you. In verse 3 it says, They have chosen their own ways. You can be a pastor, you can be an elder, you can be a person, Christian, for 25 years. And you know what? You can choose your own ways. You, can stop, you don't have to listen for instructions. You got it all down. You got it all covered. 
you can choose not to listen to God. And verse 4 continues, for, for when I called, no one answered. When I spoke, no one listened. Again, we can, we can try to candy coat it and call it anything we want. You know what it comes down to sometimes? It's pride. It doesn't make you a terrible person. doesn't make you evil. What it makes you is a proud person in some areas. Pride is good in some ways. It's not good in others. It's not good when you try to do it all on your own and you're not listening to God. And all I'm saying is, you know, we can even, all of us, all of us, no matter where we are in our spiritual lives, can become a little bit better, a little more like Jesus. Second is fear. Fear. Sometimes, sometimes we're afraid of what God might say. And I don't care how old you are as a Christian. You know, this is, this is one that gets a lot of us. Okay. So for example, say you're a student and you, you know, it, think about this. How bold would you have to be tonight to get home, get by your bed, lean by your bed and fold your hands and say, Lord, tell me how you want me to minister in my school. Now, I don't think after you said that you're going to want to listen. Right. Because you're like, oh, 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 because maybe you didn't think about it before you said it. Right. Because what's he going to say? What if he tells you to do something that you're not comfortable doing? What if he tells you to what if he what if he asks you to do something that will make you less popular with your friends? What if he's going to ask you to do something you can't or don't want to do? You want to go. How many times we joked about this as Christians? Never tell God what you're not going to do. I will never be a missionary in Africa. And like six months later, we're praying for you. Lord God, send them out and you're, you know, <laughs> protect them as they go to whatever. You know, it's like Christians won't pray. Those older Christians are too smart because they watch other people get prayed over after in the Bible. So they're like, I will never go there. I would never go here. I'll never do this. And next thing you know, they're like, oh, OK, I'm, I'm going to be whatever. Because God speaks to them. Sometimes we're afraid we don't hear from God because we don't like, we don't want to hear what he might have to say to us. It might be too difficult. It might be too scary. It might affect my personal life, my social life, whatever. So we're afraid and we don't hear from God because, you know, and someone once told me, this is, this is so important, a wise person is one who wants to hear what they don't want to hear. Think about it. A wise person is someone who wants to hear what they don't want to hear. I wouldn't just say wise. I would say bold, courageous, righteous, wise. Put them all in there. A person like that wants to hear what they don't want to hear. My friends, there are certain things I don't want to hear. There are certain things that are almost off limits when it comes to even my relationship with God sometimes. Lord, don't, please don't do this. I, I know I could probably take it, but I'd rather not type a deal. And it is a wise person who wants to hear what they don't want to hear. How many of us, how many of you raise your hand are, are perfect in almost every area of your life? Yeah, one, one liar back there. That's, um, no, no one, no one, no one raised their hands. So, you know, so how hard is it to go, Lord God, please help me change my personality. Lord, help me to overcome this issue in my life. Lord, help me to, you know, whatever it is, overcome this addiction. And then to be able to sit back and hear. I mean, seriously, I have friends that are close enough to me that I'll ask, you know, why do you think it is that blah, blah, blah in my life? And they'll say, well, let me explain. Part of the reason is you might be a little too or you might have blah. Who wants to hear that from anybody? I don't want to hear from, you know, who wants to hear that? A wise person wants to hear it. A wise person wants to hear what they don't want to hear. 
It's the same relation in our relationship with God. Sometimes we need to hear from God the things we don't want to hear. All that makes you is wise. It makes you like everybody else too. We're all, we're all fallen. It gets worse, okay? Third is bitterness. <laughs> bitterness. Whenever we've been hurt and we hold on to hurtful memories, we close off our relationship with God. Um, we say things like, God, why would you let this happen to me? How could you let this happen to me? Why, why is this happening in my life right now? If you're a sin, how many of us, don't raise your hand, have said this in a different way to God? If you're such a great and loving and awesome God, then how could this have happened in my life? And something has happened, and I'm telling you now you're bitter and, and you're frustrated, and here's the reality. Not everything that happens in life is God's choice. Let me say that again. Not everything that happens in your life is God's choice. He's given us the freedom to choose. He's given us the ability to choose. If we give us the ability to choose, then people are going to get hurt. You are going to get hurt or you're going to hurt others. Life is not fair. I, under, just, I want to tell you that. If you don't know that already, I'm going to tell you something that will shock your world. Life is not fair. It isn't. Things happen. Bad things happen to people. Frustrating things happen to people. But the thing is, what you do with your hurt, what you do with that hurt in your life, will make you either a better person or a bitter person. And a bitter life, my friends, is a wasted life. If you live a bitter life, you are wasting your life. When we become bitter, we hold on to the things in our lives that hurt us, and it only prolongs our pain We tend to close ourselves off from God. We tend to get ticked off and we close ourselves off from God and we build up walls. And you know what I'm talking about. We won't let anybody get too close to us, including God, because he's the one that let it happen. And we're we're bitter. We're frustrated because God let this happen to us. We start blaming God for what other people did to us. And as a result, we close off our hearts, we close off our minds. People who have been deeply hurt, they're just, they become, they they have a hard time opening up to God included, anyone and God included, because they're angry. There's an anger there. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 31 says this, Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice. But listen to the first part, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger. Why? Because it will destroy your life. And we get bitter. We're not listening to God. And the reason we're not listening to God is because we're bitter. We're, 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 we're upset. We're upset about it. We're upset. Christians are sometimes the most bitter. You know why? Because they prayed. They prayed for something. And they had, they had belief and they had faith that something was going to happen or not happen. But then what happens? Something does or doesn't. And all of a sudden it's, wait a second, I prayed, I had faith, I believed, and then what I didn't want to happen did, what I wanted to happen didn't happen, and all of a sudden we get bitter because we, we kind of, you know, we're sitting back going, wait a second, it's, supposed, it's not supposed to work this way. It's not supposed to work this way. And now you're angry. You're, you are ticked off, okay? You're angry and you're shutting everything out and you're shutting God down too. You're angry. And let me tell you something. I understand. I really do. When I was seven, I, got, I came to Christ when I was 17 years old. And what happened to me was I, 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 I projected all of that, all the things that happened in my life, I projected it, all that anger and all that hurt, I projected all of it on the world. 
That was, that, that was the, the world because I didn't know Christ before that. And all the th- bad things happened to me 1 to 17. A lot of things happened since then. But at that point in my life, all the bad things happened 1 to 17. And Jesus was my Savior. The problem is for some of you is that you are a Christian. You grew up in church all your life. And some of the most the difficult things in your whole life happened while you knew Christ. You prayed and the bad things still happened. And you're like, wait a second. And now, and now, you're not ticked off at the world. No, you're ticked off at God because he let it happen. You're not ticked off at what, you're ticked off because you prayed and God let it happen. Let me tell you, I am sorry you're hurt. God is even more so. God hurts with you. God weeps with you. God understands your pain, the pain that you're going through. But don't turn on him. Don't turn away from him. When you're in a crisis, turn to him. Give it to him. Some of you right now, honestly, are are more angry now than when the service started. Because I brought this up. I haven't brought it up. You come in here, you're kinda, you kind of come in and you're kind of stealthy and you're sitting there and you're kind of doing your thing. And as long as no one brings it up, it's not the bitterness. You kind of you subdue it because you're in a Christian family and, and you, gotta, you can't say these things about God. You can't say you're ticked at God. That that's not like real Christian. And so you have this stuff inside. Now that I'm bringing it up, you're even more ticked than when we first started. You're even more discouraged. But the problem is you need to turn to him when you're hurt. Don't turn away from him. Don't hold him off. Let me ask you a question. Who hurt you? Who hurt you? You've got to ask you, who, who is it that hurt you? Now, let me, let me explain something to you. In order for God, in order for God, To stop people from hurting each other, he's got to do one of two things. He needs to kill everyone. Think about it. Right? He's got to kill everyone. And he said, not doing that. No floods, whatever. I'm going to kill everyone. Or, or I'm going to turn them all into robots. If he turns you into a robot, you no longer have the freedom to choose. If you don't have the freedom to choose, you don't have the freedom to love. If you don't have the freedom to love, then you cannot be in relationship with each other or with God, and you're lost completely. You're eternally lost if you can't have a relationship with God. God is not going to kill everyone. He's not going to stop every bullet. He's not going to stop every word. We live in a fallen world, and God's not going to do that. In order for God to shut it all down, he'd have to basically shut us all down. Please listen to me. Never allow another human being or, or, or event in your life or experience to block your relationship and communication with God. I don't care if that person said they were a Christian. Don't allow that person to rob you of your relationship with God. Let God love you. Drop your defenses. Open up your mind and open up your heart. You know, some of you say, well, I don't, you know, you know, pastor, you can yammer all you want up there because you know what? At this point, you're, you lost me. I don't even believe in God. I don't even believe in God. I mean, let me, let me beg to differ with you. There's a, sta- there's, a, there's a statement that goes or it says the deeper the love, the deeper the hurt. The more you love someone who hurts you, the more you, you the deeper the hurt when you feel like you've in some way wronged. And some of you have prayed and, you know, you prayed to God because you believe more than most people in this room and it didn't go the way you wanted. And now you are you are again, you're ticked. You're angry about it. You, you do believe in God. The issue is that you're very, very you're angry at him. Your heart is broken. 
And I used to work with high school students and junior high students, and I would get in a, in a, in a discussion with a high school student. They'd say, I don't believe in God. And I don't believe, they, they, they'd say, I don't believe in God. And they would use all the intellectual arguments why they didn't believe in God. And we'd get into it like maybe a half hour, and they'd finally say, I hate God. And I said, now we're getting somewhere. Now we're getting somewhere. I, why do you hate God? Well, when I was nine years old, my father or my uncle or my, my grandfather or my grandmother was in the hospital. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. And he still died. I hate God. Listen, all the intellectuals out there who give all these ridiculous reasons why I don't believe in God. How, do you, how can you hate something you don't believe in? And you know you're, you know you're ticked. You know you're angry. It isn't intellectual, it's emotional. You're ticked off. Somehow things didn't work out the way you thought they were going to work out, and you are missed about it. Let me give you a quote. My favorite people, G.K. Chesterton, he said, when belief in God becomes difficult, the tendency is to turn away from him. But in heaven's name to what? You're sitting here. You're going down the wrong path. God is begging you to come back. It's not God's choice to what happened to you. It wasn't your, his choice for what your dad or your uncle or your neighbor or this person or that person or your mom or whoever hurt. It's not, it wasn't his choice for that to happen to you. And he wants to be in this with you. He wants to be in it with you. And you're going down a road where you're saying, I no longer want to be in relationship with God. And I'm asking you, my friends, when it becomes difficult, the tendency is to turn away from God. But in God's name to what? To what? Emptiness? Where are you going to turn to the world who caused the problem in the first place? You're just not putting the blame on the right thing. Fourth, disappointment. Kind of run through this one pretty quickly. Disappointment. Some of you are older Christians and you stepped out in faith and you thought God was calling you to do something. And boy, you got the wrong end of the stick. And now your attitude has changed. People, the people around you can't see it, but you pray less, you read less, you listen less. Because you're thinking, what's the difference? And you're a Christian, and you know you're thinking this. You're thinking, what's the difference? You're saying, you're praying, I did this, and I did that. I did all the right things. And to me, the world seems like a stinking haphazard place. I'm doing what's right. This person seems to be getting the good end of the stick. I get the raw end of the stick by doing all the right things. This seems completely haphazard. So why should I pray? Why should I listen? Why should I read? It doesn't really matter. Let me ask you a question, and I ask myself these questions, so I'm not picking on you, but I'm going to ask you some questions, and you've got to take them to heart, okay? I want you to think about this. In all your disappointment, have you ever asked yourself, was I really, was I really open to God's leading? Was I really listening to God's leading in my life? Did I really listen to God's lead? Ask, have you ever asked yourselves, were my motives pure in the decision I made, the choice I made? You're really disappointed. You're an older Christian. You're really disappointed. But did you, did you ever ask yourself, were my motives pure? Was I really, listen, was I really open to hearing the word no? I don't like to hear no. Shoot me. How about you? Were you, when you're disappointed in God, but did you, were you really listening before you leaped? Were you really ready to hear or willing to hear no? Were your motives, were your motives right? 
was I, was I expecting God just to bless all of my plans? And then when my plans didn't work out, I'm angry at God because I was expecting him just to bless all my plans. Ever ask yourself those questions? Some of the older believers here who are kind of disappointed. Proverbs 1.5 says, Let the wise listen and add to their learning. Let the discerning get guidance. In Psalm 22, 4 and 5, it says, In you our fathers put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and you were saved and they were saved. In you they trusted and were not disappointed. If we want to hear from God, we need to take the time to listen. You know, I I've got to make time to hear him. I need to slow down. I need to be quiet. I need to take some time to listen to God. I need to put it in my schedule. We put every, don't we put everything else in our schedules? Don't we? We put everything. We, our, our dentist appointments, our vacations, our sporting events, our, our homework. We, we schedule everything else, but then we don't. Do you ever schedule time with God? Or, and I'm asking again, I'm not trying to beat up on you, but does he get your leftovers? You just got to get your leftovers. You know, I, I, we want to hear God speak, but then we say, God, you know, I wish you'd speak to me, but I'm in a hurry, and, 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 and I have, we have to do this quickly, and I only have a minute, and as a result, we miss what God, and I'm going to skip the video, guys. Uh, we skip what, what God is trying to say to us. We just, we just kind of skip it. Do you want to hear from God? Do you truly want to hear from God? Then, then it takes commitment. We need to commit to a regular time of study in the word of God, study in prayer. And my friends, it doesn't have to be that long, five minutes. You read a couple of passages, you spend some time you, you, you praying, listening to God. You know, Deuteronomy thirty twenty says, and that they may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him for the Lord is your life. We also need to eliminate distractions. How many of us, we're so distracted, our mind is so cluttered with other things, we can't even think. It's so crowded. So, you know, we get so crowded by all the things of life, by all our events and all our activities and all our whatever it is. Whatever it is, we get, our mind is so crowded. And so we can't concentrate on what God is trying to say to us. He's trying to, hey, listen, you're going down the wrong road. If you continue to go down this path and this relationship, it's going to be horrible for you. If you make this business deal with this person, it's going to be horrible for you. If you do this, listen, hello, hello, hello. Don't go into the road. Don't go in the road. Cars are coming. Because we're so busy. We're not hearing him. Then we get hit and we're like, God, how could you let this happen to me? And he's like, holy moly. What what do I have to do? Break your leg? And then you're blaming me for breaking your leg. You know what I'm saying? It's like we need to take time and make a commitment to listen to God. Life becomes so busy, but a busy life sometimes is a barren life. The Bible says distractions are like weeds. They're like weeds. They, they, let me give you a few examples. Worry is a weed. We worry. We worry. You can't worry and pray at the same time. Okay? You cannot worry and pray at the same time. Worries are the problems and the challenges and the pressures of daily life. The Greek word for worry basically means to be pulled in different directions. So we're being pulled in different directions and we worry and we can't hear from God because we're so distracted. We're so, our minds are being all over, the, all over the place and we're worrying about this and worrying about this, worrying about this. We're distracted and so we can't worry. So worry becomes a weed in your life. You're not listening. You can't hear from God because you spend so much time worrying about these things. Riches, riches, seeking after riches. Nothing wrong with seeking after, going after, being, you know, trying to get money. There's nothing wrong with that. 
but there's something that becomes wrong with it when it becomes the most important thing in your life. And you get so distracted by trying to make money that you're leaving God behind. You're trying to make a living, but you're not really living yourself in your relationship with Christ. God gets crowded out. God gets crowded out. He gets the leftovers of your life because of your desire to make money. He's being left out. Pleasures. Nothing wrong with pleasure, okay? There's nothing wrong with it. Who do you think came up with pleasure in the first place? God did. God's the one who came up with pleasure. He wants us to enjoy life, but he's saying, hey, are you having so much fun all the time that you're not listening to me anymore? Are you so caught up in all the things you like to do with all your whatever gasmos, gadgets, and toys that you're not listening to me? You don't have the time. You have the time to be on the computer for four hours a night, but you don't have five minutes for me. And then you don't blame the computer and bad things happen in your life. You blame God because somehow God didn't intervene and be, come in and just fix the whole thing by snapping a finger. That's another weed in our lives. Another weed is when we replace worship with recreation. I mean, let me give you an example. When Marblehead, when I was in Marblehead, Massachusetts as a youth pastor, and in the summertime, people would just skip going to church completely. All summer, they just skip out. It was like summer vacation from church. I remember we got a knock on the door one time. This lady comes in. She was red-faced. You have to do something. Well, what's the problem? Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know who you were. She, I've, been, I've been there all summer. She wasn't there. You're the youth pastor, right? Yes. You've got to do something. I came back to church last week, in September, and there was people sitting in my pew. I, I, I almost laughed at her because I, I thought it was a joke. I thought, you know, I'm a new guy. She's joking with me. But I saw her face was red. She said, my grandfather grew up in that pew. My father grew up in that pew. I grew up in that pew. And darn it, my kids are going to grow up in that pew. You need to tell those people to move. She was gone all summer long. And someone dared to sit in her pew for the last three months that she wasn't sitting there. That's serious. We need to be careful that we're not replacing with recreation. We're not replacing worship with recreation. We're not, we're not saying, I'm not going to go to... Ch-. You know, in, uh, summertime? Summertime, is it, it's really a vacation from God? A vacation from your studies? A vacation from... The, it, it, we shouldn't be thinking that way. See, there are different kinds of weeds, and you come, up with, you come up with your own list. You can come up with your own list of weeds, but these weeds are choking the life out of us. Think about it. How much effort does it take? Think about this. How much effort does it take to grow a weed? Anybody? None. You don't do anything to a weed and it explodes. But to nurture a flower, how it, takes, it takes to grow a flower or a nice plant, you have, to, you, have to, you have to cultivate it, you have to fertilize it, you have to trim it, you have to water it, and then, then it, you get this beauty. You get what you want, what you're looking for. Weeds just explode when you do nothing to them. But weeds are, 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 are a sign of neglect. We have weeds in our lives because we're neglecting. We're neglecting our time with the Lord on Sunday mornings. We're neglecting our time in life group. We're neglecting our time in men's and women's Bible studies where, where other things are crowding out. And so we, those things are the first things to go and everything else is more important. Then we wonder why there's so many weeds growing up in our lives. As Christians, we need to, we need to fight that tendency because weeds will grow up and the Bible says they will choke the spiritual life right out of you. Bow your heads with me as we close here. If you let that happen, you will lose your joy. You will lose your peace. You will lose your purpose. You will lose your sense of calmness. You will lose your ability to handle stress. 
The weeds will choke the spiritual life right out of you. And my friends, they come when we neglect the word of God. Let us not neglect meeting together and meeting with God on a consistent basis. Let us not allow pride or fear or all these other things to crowd in and and stop us from hearing what God wants to say. Let us take the time and discipline ourselves for just a few minutes a day to stop and just listen. God speaks to his people. God wants to speak and direct us. Let's take the time to stop, to be quiet, to read his word, and to listen to him speak. Father, we thank you for this time. We pray that you would bless it that you would change us, that you would help us change, Lord God. Father, for those who are holding back, who are angry at you right now, I pray there'd be reconciliation in their lives, that they would reconcile to you, that they would drop their anger and their bitterness and their frustration and all that goes with it, Lord God, and they would latch on to you, realizing maybe for the first time in a long time, it wasn't you who brought this into their lives, and you're the only one who can heal it. Let them not be confused any longer lied to any longer, be led astray any longer, but to latch onto your hand once again so you can lead them in your ways and heal them like only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great, great week.